Hey guys, today's show is brought to you by one of our newest and favorite sponsors, and that is Photo IQ. Photo IQ offers digital photography online courses like none other of its kind. Okay, it's explained simply, concisely. There's no jargon, no overcomplications, and there are lessons for from beginner to intermediate photographer from ages 13 and up. It's the only digital photography course of its kind that offers online um, quizzes, personal feedback. You get to upload your your homework, and it'll help you build your own portfolio. It's going to be more in depth than anything you've probably taken in high school, and even if you took some like freshman level courses in college. Okay, and you can do this all socially distance from home you know we're all stuck in our houses under these uh lockdown restrictions and you know some of your schools aren't open well this is a great way to learn a new skill maybe develop an alternate source of income and get that side gig starting to sort of free yourself up so what i need you to do is go to photoiq.co and use the promo code fiction to get you 10% off. He offers a 30-day money-back guarantee. You got nothing to lose. So ditch those pathetic sunset pictures you guys have been taking. Go to photoiq.co, use promo code FICTION, and start learning how to take anything from camera basics, still life, food, landscapes, portraits, black and white, action photos, everything that you could possibly imagine. He's got a course for it. It's going to be better than anything you can find on YouTube. So go to photoiq.co and use promo code FICTION. All right, let's get on with the show. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceilings does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hello, hello. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I, of course, am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction, the one and only Johnny Profita. Hope everyone's doing well. It is Thursday, less than a week away from the biggest election of our lifetimes, of course, until the next one, that is. And it's a couple days after my interview on the Lions of Liberty podcast. And and true to form, within a week of me recording that interview, if you guys haven't listened to it yet, I highly suggest you do. I think it went pretty well. had a great time talking to Mark Clare. Guys, uh, he's a real cool guy. It was a lot of fun. It was just a a laid-back, non-scripted conversation between two guys. You know, it was was just great. Um, I really enjoyed it. But, of course, one of the things we talked about was how I've been down in Mexico for several months this year and how nice it is that everything's open and everything, you know, I can do anything that I want to do whenever I want to do it. And within a week of me bragging about that and shitting all over the Chicago lockdowns, 
We get word yesterday that the governor of Jalisco, that's the, uh, the state of Mexico that I'm in, has uh, decided that they're going to do, uh, I don't know what you call it, they, they call it this emergency button that they're pressing or some stupid shit like that. But basically, they've reached a, a case number that alarms them. So they had some arbitrary uh, threshold of cases that if we ever got to that level, they were going to institute not a lockdown, but a bunch of you know illogical arbitrary rules that that people need to follow so starting tomorrow there will be and they made certain exceptions for Puerto Vallarta that's the other thing so like Puerto Vallarta is just a a city within Jalisco right and so Jalisco has all of these restrictions okay they're going to be totally locked down on the weekends and then Monday through Friday, bars, restaurants, and things like that can be open, but they have to close by 8.30. You can't take Ubers after 8.30, but you can take cabs. That's, uh, that's complete bullshit. And, you know, uh, the beaches are, are going to be closed, I think, at a certain point. And, and just all, all sorts of stuff like that. They make different exceptions for Puerto Vallarta because it's a tourist town and, and tourism brings in all their money. So our weekends are not completely shut down but you you, we're still gonna have the curfew so um you know restaurants and bars are gonna be open you can do you can live your normal life until 8 30 but then you gotta leave the restaurant and bar and we are getting conflicting reports as to whether or not the beach is going to be open or closed first it was going to be closed then it was going to be open now i'm hearing they're closing it at three o'clock i still don't know what to believe i love living my life where it's like i have to constantly check the news to see what i'm going to be able to do tomorrow it's just absolutely ridiculous but none of these rules or regulations make any sense i mean they're all just completely arbitrary they're not going to do any like we're not shutting down anything We're just limiting how long you can do certain activities. And then, you know, no gatherings, more than 10 people. Like I said, they're they're making Ubers shut down at 8.30 or 10 o'clock. I've heard two different times for that. But the cab drivers, with uh, I'm sure, have a a lobbying presence over here. They can operate with, uh, you know, immunity. They're going to be available all night long, and I'm sure they're going to gouge the shit out of everybody. And they're cash only, so that's another pain in the ass. And if you lose anything in the back of a cab, good luck getting that back. I don't know what they're doing with my pool here. If they close the beach at 3, I'm a little worried they might close my pool at 3. And that would really fucking piss me off because from like 3 to 5, it gets really hot. And that's when the sun is like directly um, in your in my face. You know, it, It's lower than the, the balcony, so it's like right there. It just burning holes into my place and it's nice to be down at the pool for that so i I don't know exactly what's going to happen but i thought that was you know perfect profita luck true to form i had to go and and put the you know the heebie-jeebie jinx on it and even funnier a buddy of mine was planning on coming down here on november 14th which is when all of these retarded draconian curfew lockdown things are supposed to end right this is only going to be a two-week thing allegedly and so he was going to come down on the 14th then he found a flight for the 6th and he was asking me yesterday before we had heard all this news or at least before i had heard it you know if he should bump his flight up a week i said i would you know so he paid like you know 120 bucks or something to come down a week earlier 
and everything's going to be uh, not completely locked down, but regulated to a degree that we'd prefer it wasn't. Absolutely ridiculous, but pretty hilarious at the exact same time. As soon as I recorded that interview, they decided to do this. Now, I have a feeling that it's more about Halloween and Dia de los Muertos than anything else that you know, case numbers or whatever the fuck. I mean, we're, we're going to get into uh, some of the, the problems with, with cases here. I have an article to uh, go over briefly. I think that they just didn't want to deal with Halloween and Dia de los Muertos, but they didn't want to tell the people that they couldn't celebrate th these two holidays, right? So they're kind of hiding behind this, oh, well, we reached our case threshold number, and so we're going to shut down for two weeks like we did last time, right? So... It sort of gives them cover to cancel the holidays and at the same time, you know, look like they're really concerned about the people or whatever. It's not just about them trying to control you. <laughs> it, it really is uh, ridiculous. But if they don't close the beaches, I will just be having beach parties all night long. Everybody's invited because fuck them. That's why. <laughs> um, I don't know. I wouldn't mind having I can have 10 people over here. OK. Or nine people. I'll have nine people over at my place every night. Could be fun. Very, very frustrating. So and the other thing is, if you just cross the, the state line to uh, Nayarit, which is like, I don't know, a 15 minute drive north of here, then then everything's open again. So you can go to Nuevo Vallarta, Sayulita, San Pancho. That stuff's all uh, Bucerias. That's all open, at least for now. So I don't know what we're doing here. This is all just a bunch of bullshit. But that's what's been going on with me the last couple of days. There has been a lot in the news. You know, I didn't do a, a Monday episode. I was on the fence about that, and then it just, um, I had a kind of a bender going on from Friday, Saturday to yesterday. <laughs> um, I, I was, I had some house guests. We were, you know, having a good time. It was just a, a Monday episode was not in the cards. Plus the, the Lines of Liberty episode aired Monday. There wasn't a whole lot to talk about. There's been some, uh, some new developments with the whole Hunter Biden story. But that, you know, as interesting as I find that, I, I just, it, it seems more and more irrelevant the closer the election comes. I mean, this, this whole strategy where they just sort of drop it at piece, one piece at a time, I understand what they're trying to do. And I think it has two advantages to it, right? The one thing is it's harder for the media and the corporate press to ignore it if more and more stories just keep piling on and it's harder for them to censor it. So there's that. And then the other thing that they're trying to do is get a story out there that Biden has to address and then catch him in a lie or something when they drop the next piece of evidence that contradicts his initial response and that makes him look bad, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I, I get that, but they, they waited too long with this. It, it's coming out too slow and it's not going to change anybody's vote at this, at, at this point, despite I have seen articles and charts about uh, people inquiring as to whether or not they could change their vote because they they already mailed in like I talked about on the last podcast like 45 people had already mailed in their fucking votes before this story really developed and when you have a, a corporate press that's just not going to cover it you're not going to catch Biden in a lie I mean I'm, I'm sure we caught him in a lie during the last debate where he was forced to address it but before that he, he never had to address this. He just said, I'm not taking the questions. The press didn't ask him anything. And the, the whole thing just, uh, 
I don't know. It, it, it looks like it's going to die on the vine, even if, uh, or at least before the election, it's not going to have any effect on that as far as I'm concerned. Maybe after the election, you know, this could set Joe Biden up to be replaced by Kamala Harris quicker than would have, uh, you know, would have been harder to make the case for him just uh, being incapacitated or something like that or waiting for him to die so that he could be replaced. Now it's like, oh, well, uh, your, your son's a pedophile and you were taking all these kickbacks and had all these illegal deals going with foreign governments. And so now we need to remove you from office or something like that. So maybe they're waiting for that. I don't know. But the other thing that happened since the last episode was ACB, Amy Coney Barrett, was was officially confirmed by the Senate. So she is on the Supreme Court. And boy, oh boy, does that have people's panties in a bunch, of course. The... uh, it's always funny if you do like a search for literally shaking or something like that and you get to see all of these lunatics out there freaking out about um, her her nomination. I pulled up a couple of them just for fun and it's like I'm, I'm really trying to calm myself down right now but I'm literally shaking so I'll be IA for a little while. I'm literally shaking and crying. I can't. This is so scary. If you're a person of color, a woman, or a part of the LGBTQ community, your rights are now at stake. I'm literally shaking right now. I'm literally shaking right now. I'm going to be sick. Oh, my God. (laughs) Please don't forget, I'm literally in tears. She is a soulless being. Dishonoring RGB's final wish will bring nothing but bad karma, blah, blah, blah. Oh my God, this confirmation has me literally shaking with anxiety over losing health care, LGBTQ rights, abortion rights, and all these other rights she is against. Please, if you can, go vote. And it just goes, I mean, it goes on and on and on. And the funny thing about this, at least from my perspective, is not only how fucking crazy these people are and how delusional they are, but all of these people that are literally shaking because ACB's been confirmed and, you know, if you're a person of color or a woman, your rights are at stake. These are the same people that are perfectly willing. In fact, they're probably doing it right now. They're literally shaking as they sit in front of their TV to listen to their governor or some other unelected bureaucrat like uh, Fauci or something like that, tell them the things that they're going to be allowed to do tomorrow, like what I got to do. But that doesn't seem to bother them at all. All of their rights are literally at, at, at stake. They rest on the whim of some fucking governor or some so-called expert in, I don't know, uh, epidemiology or some other shit like that. They get to decide whether or not you can leave your house, who you can have over. You know, I heard, I saw these, the rules that Governor uh, uh, Gavin Newsom came up with for Thanksgiving. And my God, he's got it down to, you know, how many people, you have to choose between which people you, you get to have over for Thanksgiving. Like if you have too many kids, you have to decide like which kids can come. And which can't. They'll, he was nice enough to allow you to use the bathroom as long as you sanitize it frequently. It has to be outside. You can't have like communal dishes. Everything has to be portioned out individually. You can't have turkey. Like all this shit. This is, people are upset. that They're literally shaking over Amy Comey Barrett getting elected to the Supreme Court. Even though none of this shit that they're worried about is ever going to come up. 
Okay, maybe o- Obamacare will get struck down for being unconstitutional. But their, their health care, their abortion rights, as they call them, none of that is at stake, okay? But all of their other day-to-day lives are, are literally hanging in the balance. And that doesn't seem to bother them at all. They'll put on the mask. They'll put on two fucking masks. They'll sit at home like a fucking vegetable waiting for a governor or a mayor or some fucking bureaucrat to tell them it's okay to go outside. But that's fine. It, it amazes me. It amazes me how complacent people can be when it comes to that. But then when it comes to the Supreme Court, now we got to literally shake and and freak out. (laughs) Even though anything that goes to the Supreme Court is going to take years, years to fucking play out. It it really is just unbelievable. And And they can do this stuff in a day. They can just come out and be like, you know, I decided your business has to close down. You can't run your business for the next two weeks, for the next six months, for a year, for in perpetuity until we find a vaccine. And then they can say, oh, you have to take the vaccine if you want to go anywhere, if you want to travel, if you want to get a passport, if you want to leave the country. Well, then you, you have to let us inject you with God knows what the fuck they're coming up with. Nobody's literally shaking over that, are they? No, 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 no. It's Amy Coney Barrett. That's who we need to shake over. Oh, my God. So I, I, I don't know. I just thought I'd uh, give my two cents on that. Well, and just, you know, what the, the most ridiculous measurement for shutting things down, for these lockdowns that as we've gone over, more and more health experts, uh, bureaucracies like the World Health Organization are coming out and saying, don't do these lockdowns. They're worse than the fucking disease itself. But this idea that when cases rise, we have to lock everything down. And I've been over this ad nauseum. I'm almost sick and tired of talking about it. But obviously the cases are going to rise when you open things back up. So why not just let it happen? I mean, you know, you can close down, but then after you close down and you suffer all the, the adverse consequences of that, you open back up, you're going to be right back where you were and have to close down again. So just stop it. Just stop it. But th- the way that they're measuring cases, I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous, right? And I've talked about the problems with these tests in the past as well. I'll go over it again. I think we might have some new listeners now that I've, I've been on a, a new podcast. Hopefully there's uh, some people from the, that came over from the Lions of Liberty listening today. If you are, welcome to the Paddling Fiction Podcast. Thank you so very much for listening. But the, the whole elevated number of cases that we see nationwide, it's literally because of the way that they're testing. They're, the way they're using this, it's, what, it's what's called the PCR test, okay? The number of times the sample is amplified, which is called the cycle threshold, or sometimes they abbreviate it CT for short. So the number of times the sample is amplified, it's too high. So it identifies people who do not have a viral load of the virus, you know, capable of making them sick or even transmitting the disease to someone else. But it still tests them as positive for COVID-19. The New York Times reported on this. Okay, they reported this flaw in the testing back in August. And they said that in the samples they reviewed from three states where labs used a CT of 37 to 40 up to 90% of the tests are literally, are essentially, sorry, not literally, are essentially false positives. The experts in that article said that a CT around 30 would be more appropriate for indicating that someone could be contagious. 
So these, these cases, it's all just a bunch of bullshit. 90% of them might not actually have the virus. They just have like a little bit of the fucking uh, a viral load in their nostrils or something, in their snot, which probably rendered it ineffective anyway. I mean, this is ridiculous. And this is what they're using to justify ruining our lives for the rest of the year, for God knows how long. And then you also see that, um, I don't have the, the article pulled up, but the, uh, the number of uh, flu cases is at like all-time lows. So, I mean, clearly they're categorizing people with the flu as having COVID-19. <laughs> I mean, that, I don't know how, you, how else you explain that other than people with the flu are just not going in, into the, the doctor or the hospital or something like that. But I don't know why you would since the symptoms are like exactly like COVID. So they, they would think that they had COVID. I mean, th this is all just absolutely ridiculous. And it's really, I, I've really just fucking had enough of it. I, I thought I was going to be okay down here. Um, th this next lockdown or whatever the hell you want to call it, a curfew or something like that, uh, it really just grinds my gears. I am not in a good mood today. This is my last full day of freedom for the next uh, two weeks. And here I am sitting in a room talking to you, fine people. No, I, I love you all, but <laughs> I, I do. Uh, I am going to wrap this up. Not Not right now, but as soon as possible so that I can get out tonight and um, trip the light fantastic because I don't know when I'm going to get to do it again. I might end up just uh, going going across town, go, getting out of Jalisco and, and seeing uh, seeing what's up north for, for a good time. But what I wanted to talk about for the remainder of the show is obviously what's, what's going on with the election stuff since it is Tuesday it is less than a week away. I've just had some some thoughts on it. You know, I've seen I've seen a couple articles come across my feed. We have seen a lot of uh, voter fraud to elect Biden. There's a, there's a bunch of stories out that out about that. Project Veritas has a couple of their investigative reports that are exposing these sort of schemes where they're sort of paying people like five to eight thousand dollars a month or something like that to harvest votes i mean th this whole election is is going to be a, a shit show but the um the, the story that really caught my attention was from uh, paul joseph watson via summit news and there's a, a far left group that is vowing to make sure trump leaves the white house after the election even if he wins <laughs> And they're preparing to storm and occupy D.C. So I had some thoughts on that and just thoughts on democracy in general and how, you know, this whole thing is just a farce. These elections are a farce. Democracy is a farce. The idea of representation is a farce and why we should strive for anarchy. So we're going to get into all of that for the remainder of the show. And this may be a bit of a shorter episode. I don't know how long I'll go. I never really uh, can, can gauge that sort of thing. But I figured the debate coverage episode was basically the length of two normal podcasts. So you got two for one there. That's another reason why I didn't feel compelled to do an episode on Monday, even though uh, it, it would have been very, very difficult for me to do so. And it, there just wasn't, I didn't think there was much to talk about. We were thinking about doing an AMA but uh, I, I'm going to save that for another day. It's just, uh, it, it would have been too too forced and whatever. But anyway, 
let's take a quick second and thank our other dear, dear, dear sponsor of the show. You know him as Lorenzotti Coffee. Guys, if you like premium Italian coffee, but you hate going to these corporate, poorly managed, poorly prepared coffee houses, Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, things like that, especially now where you got to put on a mask on and stand in a socially distanced line. You're going to love Lorenzotti Coffee. They deliver premium Italian coffee and coffee brewing supplies right to your door. It's a small business that was started by two liberty-minded entrepreneurs who came together over their love of coffee and their desire to bring that small, independent coffee house feel back here across the pond to the United States. So what I want you to do is go to lorenzotti.coffee and use my promo code FICTION so they know I sent you, and they'll give you 10% off your order. Even if you're not a coffee drinker yourself, I'm sure you know someone who does, and these tins are beautiful. They'd make a great you know, portion of a gift basket or something like that if you wanted to send somebody that you care about a package. Go to lorenzotti.coffee, use promo code FICTION, and you'll get 10% off. All right, so the shutdown DC group says it will be in the streets before the polls even close, asserting that Trump will not leave office without mass mobilization and direction, direct action. And this is a quote. On election day, When we're done voting, doing election protection, or getting out the vote, come join us at the Black Lives Matter Plaza, states the group's manifesto. We are inviting everybody who agrees with these organizing principles to work together to make this uprising happen. We're going to make sure Trump leaves. Quite how the group is going to make Trump leave the White House on Election Day is somewhat baffling, given that even if he loses, he doesn't have to officially leave the White House until next year, right? I mean, he's still the president until the end of the year, even if he loses the election. These Obviously, these people are fucking idiots, but the extremist group is planning to block highways, shut down ports, and occupy state capitals if Trump tries to steal the election. That's quote. I mean, basically, if he wins it, I'm sure they're going to say he stole it, while also vowing to harass members of Congress at their own homes. Now, what I find just pretty amazing about all of this is that if you were to poll these people that are planning on shutting down D.C., I guarantee you 100% of them would be in favor of our precious democracy, right? These are the people that claim to care so deeply about democracy. We must protect our democracy, and and Donald Trump's a threat to our democracy and all that. But even if he's democratically elected through a democratic process, that doesn't mean anything to them. They're still going to storm D.C. and try to remove him from the White House or whatever. It just goes to show you that none of these people care about democracy, no matter how much they, they proclaim to. And in fact, nobody cares about democracy. It has become a religion. It's basically become, I think Bob Murphy was the one that originally pointed this out. It's become just this word that's supposed to mean everything that's righteous and good And to question it, of course, is heresy, since it's one of the holy sacraments of the religion that is the state. And there's just endless amounts of propaganda that's surrounded. I mean, every time you hear a politician's talk, it's like, our precious democracy, we can't, you know, we must protect this 
sacred thing and to question it. I mean, the reason they don't want you to question it is because the second you do, the second you scratch that surface, you realize that it's complete and utter bullshit, the whole thing. That's why they have to pump you full of propaganda your entire lives about how great democracy is and how noble and moral it is. And that's why you can't question it. And I know, I know, technically, we're a republic, right? But as far as I'm concerned, our republic went out the window the second we stopped electing senators from the state legislature. So, I mean, the things that made the U.S. a republic have really just been withered away by the force, the cancer that is government. And that's what it does. Any restrictions on government power just get eroded over time. Because government cannot be contained. It's a cancer that just keeps growing. But when you get right down to it, democracy is nothing more than majority rules. It's two wolves and a sheep deciding on what's for dinner. It's 51% of the population enforcing their will on the other 49%. And I don't, to this day, I've never heard a compelling argument for how that's the, the best way or the most civilized way to, to live. I mean, this is what they'll tell you. Like, democracy is civilization. Like, civilization depends on our democracy, right? If you're going to tell me that the most civilized way to live life is to force everyone into a system where the majority of people get to ram their way of life and their way of thinking, all their values and everything like that, down everyone else's throat, instead of just letting people live the way that they want to live, organize themselves the way they want to organize themselves... I, I'm sorry. I, I'm just not buying that. Uh, you're you're gonna have to uh, you're gonna have to reevaluate your priorities here, because that there's nothing civilized about that. You see, the problem is, we we went through a period of history where we would have a monarchy or a, a dictator or something like that. People realized that no one person can or should have the ability to rule over everyone else. Right? If we accept that. What, what are your other uh, choices, right? You can have a group of elites rule over everyone else, like an aristocracy, right? Something like that. Nobody else want, nobody wants to have an, an aristocrat class and then the rest of us fucking plebs, right? So what are we left with? Well, you're left with this idea of democracy, right? This idea that we all get to, uh, we get together and we vote. We, we choose people that are going to represent us we all get a, a voice, a say in the way things are, how society is organized. And I, I'm going to get into all of that nonsense here in a minute. But one of the reasons why I'm an anarchist is because I've re- I realize that, and this is basically what anarchism comes down to. It, it's just recognizing that no one man or one woman or group of men and women, group of people, could possibly know how best to run other people's lives, how to organize society. It's just impossible. Nobody has the, the knowledge of that much knowledge of everything, of all the different variables. And it, it just, there's just no way that, that a group of people, even if they're elected by a, a democratic process, right, the majority, nobody knows how best to organize other people's lives, right, better than you yourself. And there are just so many other problems with the idea of democracy. I mean, not only do, you know, does uh, one ruler or a group of rulers 
not have enough knowledge to best know how to organize society, the, the lives of 340 million other people or whatever it is. But you're depending on the majority of people to know the exact same thing, that the majority of people in the country know exactly you know, which, how to organize society, which policies to best achieve that. So that the, the majority of people are, are not only smart enough to know how society should be organized, but they can be trusted to stay within the, the confines of you know, basic morality and not violate the, the natural rights of the minority. In order for democracy to work, the, the majority has to respect the, the rights of the minority. And you just don't see that. You never see that in practice like there's there's so many examples like gay marriage is one of them when the supreme court just made it the law of the land they just decided for all 50 states that gay marriage was going to be legal the majority of people agreed with that and i i mean i think i mean as a libertarian obviously uh, gay marriage should be legal but it's still the majority enforcing their preference on the rest of society. Nobody in the the majority that was pro-gay marriage ha- had any qualms about it whatsoever. All they cared about was the end result. As long as they got their way, they didn't care how they got there. So you have to you have to remember that in order for democracy to work, you have to have the majority of people respect the minority of people and that the minority the people that are in the minority, the 49% or whatever percent it is, are going to accept having their way of life thwarted by the majority and just having this other way of organizing society, this other way of life shoved down their throats without rebelling. And I think if you look around today at the willingness of people to rebel, to riot, to loot, to storm Washington, D.C. if they don't get their way, I mean, you can see how unworkable this is. But going back to the the knowledge problem, right? No one man, no group of people knows how to organize society. Think of all the policies that voters are expected to have a thorough understanding of in our democracy or in any democracy. I mean, look at all the topics that they talk about at these debates and look at all the topics that politicians put forth, right? We have economics, we have health care, we have foreign policy, we have you know mo- the monetary system, infrastructure, climate, all, all this stuff. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. You have to know, you're, you're expected to know unbelievable amounts of information on a, a wide variety of topics. And nobody knows enough on any of those things. Just pick one topic. The average voter has no fucking idea what's going on, let alone on a, a, the whole like buffet of things that these politicians put in front of you. So not only do you have do you have that problem. You're you're asking people that have no idea anything. Like just the basic think of all like the man on the street interviews they do where they ask people just basic questions, how stupid these people are, or just when you're walking down the street. I remember this is in, you know, when I was working in downtown Chicago, every day I'd go for a walk. People don't even know how to cross the fucking street. They don't know how to, when the traffic is coming and when it's safe to walk. If I were to walk out onto incoming traffic, there would be at least 15 other people that would follow me without looking. They would just walk right out there with me. And these are the people that we're depending on to understand the most complicated uh, policies, the most complicated topics that face our society. Uh, These people don't know anything. 
I can barely walk and chew gum at the same time. And this is the plan. This is the plan to get all of these idiots together. And whoever gets the most idiots on their side to vote for their policies, that's the way we're going to do it? That's the way we're going to organize society? Really? That's the best we can come up with? <laughs> and not only that, but you have to... You have to depend on the fact that the politicians that are putting forth all of these policies for all these complicated topics, that they have the right policy prescriptions, right? So that Joe Biden, all of his ideas are, are the perfect ideas for organizing society. They don't you know, force you to compromise any of your ideals or any of your morals. He's got all the right answers for every different category. And then, of course, you have to depend on these uh, lying scumbag politicians actually keeping their word and enacting the policies that they said they were going to do in order to get you to vote for them. So let's say, hypothetically, Joe Biden had the perfect policy prescription across the board in every category. It was going to be a utopia. So you voted for him. Well, now you have to depend on Joe Biden enacting all of those policies and that he wasn't just lying to get your vote. And I mean, when, when you look at all the political corruption, when you dig into any of these politicians, it's pretty goddamn obvious that they'll say anything to get elected. And very few of them follow through on their policies that they said they were going to do to get elected. I mean, just think back. George W. Bush campaigned on not using the military for... Uh, nation building. Donald Trump was going to you know, end all these uh, foreign wars that we're in. It's still going on today. Barack Obama was going to do the same thing. So you have to depend that these politicians are not only going to come up with the right ideas, but that they're going to actually do what they say they're going to do, and they're not going to shove a bunch of pork and illegal shit into this legislation, these 2,000-page bills that they, they throw at people without giving them enough. No, they don't even read it. They don't even read the, the bills that they pass. I mean, I remember when Rand Paul put forth the Read the Bill Act, and nobody would do it. Nobody voted on it. <laughs> they, they wouldn't even vote to um, force themselves to read the bill before they'd vote on it. That, that's where we are right now, right? But they'll, you have to depend that they won't shove a bunch of pork and illegal activity into these bills, and then just give it some cute little acronym like the Patriot Act to describe the least patriotic piece of legislation possibly ever that did more to erode our freedoms than anything before. And then you come to find out that all of these politicians are for sale. They're all corrupt. I mean, look at the stuff that's going on with Joe Biden if you want, but that's hardly news. We, we all knew this stuff was going on. We, we all know that these politicians use their, their kids, they get their kids cushy jobs, and the reason their kids get cushy jobs with foreign companies and foreign governments is so that they can get access to our politicians. And if they don't do that, the politicians are certainly bending over for the lobbyists. They're all for sale. Lobbyists are the ones that write all this legislation. So, so you're not even getting what your politician, he has nothing to do with it. She has nothing to do with it. It's all these lobbyists. The lobbyists are writing all the legislation that politicians take credit for. So this is all just bullshit. It doesn't work in theory. It's fraught with problems and consistencies. We're, we're seeing a lot of the problems right now before our eyes with all this civil unrest that's going on. People are up in arms because you remember when Trump won the first time, you know, he didn't have the popular vote, right? As if that was, I mean, that wasn't the game we were playing, but, you know, okay, so let's say... Let's say for the sake of argument that he does win the popular vote this time around. I don't think he, I mean, he's not going to, but let's just say that he did. 
Okay, let's say he wins the popular vote. He also wins the electoral college. What, what are these people going to do? You think they're just going to sit back? All these Antifa guys, they're just going to sit there and take it? I don't think so. I don't think so. And that just goes to show you what they think of, of their so-called democracy. Or e- even better, what if, what if this time around it's flip-flopped and Donald Trump wins the popular vote, but the, the Democrats, but Joe Biden wins the Electoral College? You think the, all the people that were up in arms when Donald Trump didn't win the popular vote and they thought it was an illegitimate election because it wasn't a pure democracy? You think they're going to care then? You think, like, oh, you know, Joe Biden, you, you should really step down. Donald Trump won the popular vote. We value democracy. This is a sacred institution of our government. It is the foundation of civilization. So we think that you should go back to your basement, wherever the hell you've been hiding out. Donald Trump's our guy. Donald Trump won the popular vote. He deserves it. I mean, give me a fucking break. Nobody believes any of this stuff. Anyway, I, I keep getting way off topic. Let, I, I, I want to go back to you know, one of the, the, the fundamental problems with democracy, which is that you know, this idea that we're, we're, we have the majority of people in society that are going to respect the rights of the minority. The minority is going to accept whatever decisions the majority makes, and they're just going to patiently wait for the next election so that they can try to win. Right. Everybody. We have the majority of people that are so smart. They're so wise. They're so knowledgeable on all of this, all these ranges of topics that we have that they know not only what the best policies and procedures are to organize society, but who has they've been able to properly evaluate the smorgasbord of policies that Joe Biden or Donald Trump is throwing out there. And then that you know, the politicians are, are going to do exactly what they said they're going to do, and they're going to represent the, the will of the people, right? Okay, so if society is chocked full of such wonderful, smart, caring, patient people who are willing to put aside their own personal preferences for the good of all mankind, why do we need a government at all? They tell us that uh, this whole thing is legitimate because of democracy, right? That's sort of what they hide behind. Democracy gives everything legitimacy because it represents the will of the people. And it's valid because the majority of people are moral and smart and just wonderful, capable individuals. So, okay, if we accept that, and then we ask why we need to have a government at all, well, then all of a sudden, everybody immediately, all those smart, moral, capable people, automatically just instantly become amoral pieces of shit. It really is unbelievable. And then, of course, if you look at all of the policies and legislation that everybody holds so near and dear to their hearts, right, that that nobody would ever dare even think about touching the third rail of politics and all that stuff. The, the reason they call them the third rail is because they're so popular with the people that it would be political suicide to touch them, right? Social security, health care for the elderly, welfare for the poor, free education for the poor. All these things that our tax dollars go to that the majority of people support. They'll even tell you. They will straight up say that they don't mind paying taxes. You know, this is one of the things I talked about with Mark Claire on Lions of Liberty. Like, they'll, they'll tell you that, you know, I don't mind, even if they concede that taxation is theft, I don't mind the theft because, you know, I, I want these 
programs to be funded. And I, I, I think, you know, I, I'm perfectly willing to have to give up a huge portion of my income to, to pay for education, free education for people, free health care, Social Security for the elderly, things like that. Right. So here's the rub. If democracy works, then everything we have right now, all these policies that the government implements, they reflect the will of the people or at least the, the will of the majority of the people. And the minority has clearly accepted these policies and they're, they're, going, they're prepared to abide by them until it, at best they become the majority and they can try to vote them out. But at least for now, the, minor, the people in the minority who do not support all the taxes for all of these programs and everything, they're willing to go along with it for the sake of mankind, right? So what democracy is telling us then is that the majority of people are more than willing to give up large portions of their income in order to take care of the poor, take care of the sick, take care of old people when they can't work anymore. And we can deduce that because those programs were created and voted and enacted by democratic governments. So if democracy is this sacred thing and it really works and it really reflects the will of the people and it's given us all of these things that we have right now, then we already know that the majority of people will gladly help out all of the, the people that are in need of these programs absent government. And democracy is nothing but proof of that. It's like you've got two choices, right? People either won't fund these things voluntarily and governments must force their values onto the majority of people and therefore democracy doesn't represent what the people want or value and it's just complete bullshit. It's a farce. Or democracy is an accurate representation of the will of the people, and the poor, the sick, the old have nothing to fear from a stateless society that doesn't vote democratically on any of these things. And society would be far better off. All those in need in a stateless society would be far better taken care of by private charity than, you know, having these corrupt, blood-sucking politicians like the Joe Bidens and Donald Trumps of the world and this huge bureaucracy that just sucks up trillions and trillions of dollars from the productive part of society. And then they burn four out of five dollars that they tax from us on all sorts of bullshit. On the, on the bureaucratic overhead, on their pensions, on their lofty fucking rich lifestyles. They get, you know, cars. They have, they're in marble fucking buildings making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year while they're taxing people that make a fraction of that to pay for their lifestyle. Private charity doesn't work like that. Private charity isn't going to be getting any donations from people that find out that one out of every $5 actually goes to the purported cause. Of course not. The fact of the matter is, nobody gives a shit about democracy. They care about getting their way because as long as we're going to have some sort of form of government, right, some form of coercion, some form of force, which is what government is, well, you know, people are thinking, I don't want to be coerced into something I don't like, so I better find a way to get control of this entity that gets to force my will onto other people. That way I get to enforce my will onto others instead of having their way of life forced on me. And then they hide behind democracy to give this whole thing legitimacy, but nothing about it is legitimate. The only people that like democracy are those that have the majority. 
Of course. Of course it is. Because they get to have their way. Nobody that's in the minority likes democracy, thinks it's this noble, moral thing. And what does a simple majority have to do with legitimacy anyways? Just because 51% of people decide on something doesn't mean that makes it automatically legitimate. Slavery used to have a majority of people supporting it. Does that mean slavery is legitimate? If I go to a bar with three other friends, we're out drinking all night, and then they just decide the three of them take a vote, and I have to pay the tab, that's bullshit, man. That's not legitimate. I don't have to pay that tab. I don't have to pay for all their drinks just because they got together and decided. None of this is legitimate. None of it works. None of it works. It's stupid on paper, and it's even worse in practice. I mean, think about all the things that all the really unpopular legislative agendas that get passed even though you have a democracy. I mean, how, how is that even possible? If, if we send these people, we all get together and we vote, and they represent the majority of people, the will of the people, how, how can we have all these unpopular government programs or government uh, pieces of laws or legislation like the war on drugs? Who supports that? Vast majority of people want things like marijuana to be uh, illegal it was or to be legal and it was illegal for I mean it still is uh, at the federal level right what about the bank bailouts bail bailing out fucking Goldman Sachs <laughs> none of that was popular yet they, they still got trillions of dollars and they even got trillions more once COVID struck these are highly unpopular the, uh, the longest wars in American history highly unpopular and yet they persist today in our so-called democracy our sacred democracy. You see what happens when you just start to scratch the surface of, of democracy and how it actually works? It just, it, it completely falls apart. It's bullshit. It shouldn't ever be the objective. Democracy should never be the objective. The objective should be liberty. Democracy is inherently incompatible with liberty. It just is by its very nature. And I don't care I really don't care if people have uh, if people don't have a say in the government. You know, they always say, "Oh, democracy is great because we all get a say in the way things are organized." I don't care. I don't care if people don't have a say. Okay, if it means that whatever government comes out of those people not having a say, whatever government comes out of that process maximizes liberty. I don't care how many people have a say in it. The goal should be maximizing liberty not maximizing how many idiots have a say in government. I'd happily sacrifice my vote to further the cause of liberty, if it, and if it means a bunch of idiots have to have their retarded ideas and opinions thwarted in order to get everyone else the most liberty possible, so be it. I'm fine with that. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I want to stop as many idiots from voting and having a say over my life and the lives of others as humanly possible. That's why I think we should raise the voting age. 18-year-olds have no business voting, especially this day and age. I mean, maybe you could make the case for, you know, in the 1800s, when by 18 you had a wife and three kids and you were running your own business or your own farm or something like that. Okay, now you've got some life experience and you're only going to live to like 35. Okay, I, that makes sense. But an 18-year-old now, are you kidding me? They're, they're still in high school. They have no life experience. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. They've been in a government school for 15 years. Just been brainwashed. The, the voting age should be like 35 minimum. Um, 
Anyway, they try to convince us that the purpose of voting is so that everyone has a say and everybody gets representation. That's all just a bunch of nonsense. It's a fantasy. The purpose of voting isn't to give everyone a say in politics. It's just, it's meaningless platitude. We don't even have that. We don't all have a say. Even if we could all vote, we don't all have a say. My vote has never accounted for anything. It's completely meaningless because I'm outnumbered at least a thousand to one. And people under 18 can't even vote. And before that, it was under 21. The only reason it's 18 is because back during the Vietnam War, uh, we were drafting 18-year-olds. And it was, you know, the line was, well, if they're old enough to go to war, they should be able to have a say in, in, you know, who sends them off to war. They should be able to vote. That's the only reason that 18-year-olds can vote now was because of a war, an emergency, right? They always, they always come up with stuff during, during a war. Um, but I mean, so uh, tons of people don't are already don't have a say in the way things are going. And then the rest of us, those in the minority, those in the libertarians, we, we've never had a say. My, my votes never mattered one iota. And then the idea that we get representatives in government is just ridiculous. They, they take these words like representation and completely pervert the meaning of it. Like, like I said, the, the, one of the reasons that a lot of legislation nobody likes comes out of a democracy is precisely because the people aren't being represented. It's because lobbyists have the politicians here. They don't give a rip about representing you, and they're under no obligation to do so. You see, in the real world, absent government, my representative would have to do what I wanted them to do. I, I couldn't send like a representative to a board meeting in my stead and, and they just get to do whatever the hell they want. You, know, you send a proxy as your representative or something, they, they vote the way I tell them to vote. Uh, th- these guys, it's impo- I mean, it's just impossible for them to do it. How could you simultaneously represent two people, let alone 200,000, 2 million, 200 million? Y- you can't do that. It's a fantasy. It's all bullshit. It's a lie that we tell ourselves. But anyway, the purpose of voting is to get the best form of government. It has nothing to do with getting everybody a say in that form of government. No, no, no. It's just to get the best form of government. And the best form of government is the government which governs least, right? That which governs least governs best, I think is the saying or something like that. And really, what we need to do is rid ourselves of government altogether, Right? rid ourselves of force, rid ourselves of coercion. I mean, if if governing the least is governing the best, then no governance whatsoever would have to be the best, be the ultimate liberty, the ultimate freedom. That way, if we have a system like anarcho-capitalism with no rulers, even the the idiots can go on about their their daily lives as as they see fit. I'd rather not have to silence their dumb ideas if they want to go live in some socialist commune or some other hellhole society like that, if they want to go around wearing masks everywhere, having retarded Thanksgiving dinners and everything like go ahead, go ahead. Just don't force that shit on the rest of us. But if my two choices are going to be have idiots decide how I have to live the rest of my life or take away the idiots right to have influence over others, I'm going with option B. <laughs> I'm going with option B and I'm fine with that. I I see no virtue in everyone getting a vote or anything like that. It's all just a way of getting everybody to buy into this system. Because, you know, if the lie is that, you know, the the government is of, by, and for the people, and we represent the will of the people, well, then, of course, everybody needs to have a say in it, and everybody gets a vote. But that's not what the system was supposed to be. 
they've perverted it. The system was supposed to be a system that prevented the government from influencing our lives, from destroying our lives, from interfering in our day-to-day activities, from violating our rights. But you see, they've taken over the years, they've taken that idea and they've turned it completely on its head. And now it's all about giving everybody a say. And you look what happens when everybody has a say. You know, it's weird. We, we allow for anarchy in almost every aspect of our daily lives, right? In fact, we demand it in most of our daily lives. All of our relationships, who you get to marry, who you fall in love with, the career choices that you make, what you want to do on any given day, it's all completely voluntary. It's all completely uncoerced anarchy. But for some reason, we we freak out at the idea of having anarchy, voluntary relationships in other areas of life, like building the roads or providing police protection or fire, court systems, things like that. Then everybody freaks out. Personal anarchy is the ultimate goal, right? The greatest thing ever. But for some reason, anarchy in the political realm would just be disastrous. And I just don't accept that. I've never heard a compelling case for why we must conduct ourselves violently and rely on the use of force to have civilization. It's not civilized at all. They, they claim that all these things that the state forces us to do, essentially at gunpoint, are the price that we pay for civilization, right? That, that, that's the taxes is the price we pay for civilization. But nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, just look at all the people that are sitting in cages right now for nonviolent, victimless crimes. Look at, look at the, the worldwide death toll at the hands of centralized governments. There is no way anarchy could ever hold a flame to that kind of destruction. They, they come up with all sorts of doomsday scenarios, but nothing would be as devastating as war, as centralized government war, and that's only possible through taxation. You can't have a war without funding it through taxes. And you can't have taxes without a a government first pointing guns at its citizens' heads saying, you got to give me 40% of your income. And the funniest part is like any pushback that you get being an anarchist, all all the, um, the doomsday scenarios of what anarchy would devolve into, it's always just a description of what we already have, a description of government, of the state. They'll be like, oh, there'll be roving bands of gangs and they'll go around robbing and kidnapping people. It's like, oh, okay. Um, You mean like in perpetuity? Like every year I'm going to get robbed by a gang for 40% of my income? Because, I mean, that's what they're doing right now. (laughs) How much worse could it get? They come up with all these sanctions that we're starving children to death in Yemen, right? We're, we're bombing, wedding, or drone bombing people all over the Middle East. Look at the, the biggest governments when you get really centralized governments, communism, socialism. Look at the, the death toll of Hitler, Mao Zedong. Hitler was democratically elected. Russia has democratic elections. Venezuela had a democracy. I mean, there's nothing great about democracy. And then the problem with like minarchism, as I I used to be a minarchist, is that it's this idea that there's some perfect level of government. It's like this Goldilocks government apparatus where it's not too hot, it's not too cold, it's just right. Yeah, it's just right. But I mean, that's, that's even more utopia utopian than anarchy in my opinion and even if it was theoretically possible 
which it's not because it, everyone is a minarchist to some extent. They just disagree on what that perfect temperature is. So it's like they'll, they'll just be constantly fighting over what that perfect level of government is and how to achieve it. And it would move back and forth over the years. But let's say all of the people agreed on the perfect level of government, whatever it is. The government isn't going to go along with that, as we've seen. I mean, look at what happened to America. We started with the smallest government in the world. We got the biggest government in the world. Any roadblock we try to put up to put a halt to the advance of government, they'll find a way of getting around it. Oh, the Supreme Court is supposed to uh, be the, the, le- the final check and balance on what's constitutional. If the, the piece of legislation they're trying to pass violates the Constitution, look how that worked out. So no matter what you do, no matter what you do, that minarchist level of government is always going to increase. And it's not because, it's, it's not as if like freedom didn't work, liberty didn't work, anarchy wouldn't work. And so when it failed, we instituted more and more government. I mean, of course, I'm sure that's what they teach you. That's what people learn in a government school. Surprise, surprise. But it's the exact opposite of that. Freedom doesn't work when government interferes. So the more the government expands, the more damage is done to freedom. The government doesn't expand its control over us because freedom doesn't work. That's just a bunch of nonsense. Freedom doesn't work or it works less because the government continues to expand its control. And that's the problem. And that's why I think we should do away with the whole thing. That's why I think this, these elections are, are just complete bullshit. They're illegitimate. E- even, I mean, even if this one wasn't such a shit show... Right. Even if we didn't have like phony mail in ballots and all of this, this crap going on, it's all done under a false pretense. Nobody cares about democracy. They care about control. And I don't want anybody to be under the control of anybody else. So as far as I'm concerned, the best way to achieve that is to get rid of this whole thing, this whole apparatus, this whole fantasy of democracy. It doesn't work in theory. It's stupid on paper. It's fraught with inconsistencies, contradictions. And when it's carried out in practice, it's even worse. You end up with a bunch of lobbyists controlling politicians that are pretending to represent you in Washington. So anyway, I'm going to wrap there for today, guys. Have a nice weekend. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. If you liked today's episode, do me a favor. Give me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Don't forget, uh, for all you new listeners out there, we do have a private Facebook group. If you want to check that out, you can join that. You just have to answer a couple questions, and we have, we have a pretty good time in there. So um, that is still out there and available for free. You can get grandfathered in before I start charging people to get in so that should be some motivation to get inside that group and join the rest of the fiction peddlers out there don't forget to support our sponsors if you can and if you want to support the show directly go to peddlingfictionpodcast.com and if you can do all that for me i will be back on monday with a brand new episode for you until then just remember to keep on peddling that so-called fiction peace